For the last 26 years, I've been rocking stages, playing in clubs, and having a lot of fun as a DJ and turntablist. And in that time, I've seen and learned a lot. Now it's time for me to share that knowledge by answering the questions that can help you to become a better DJ. I'm DJ TLM, and this is the Share the Knowledge Podcast for DJs. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. I think the title on the flyer was something like the influence of digital DJing. But basically, I want to talk about the influence of technology to the DJ culture and DJing. In this case, I'll use my personal experience to go through some of these technological evolutions in DJing. And I know it can be a polarizing topic sometimes. Uh, every time there's like a new development, you'll hear people say, DJing is dead. It happened with some of the equipment that we have right here. It's all fake now. And we all know that there's a lot of people who talk a lot of bad stuff about DJs with controllers, which in my opinion is absolute nonsense. So to all you controller DJs out there, use what you want to use uh, and don't listen to any of these old sour DJs who feel that they have the right to tell you what real DJing is and what isn't. So that's what I basically want to talk about. But I want to give you guys a little bit of context uh, by telling you my personal experience. Anyone here familiar with me? See, that's good to know. My name, DJ name is DJ TLM. I'm a DJ from Amsterdam. Uh, I've been DJing for 25 years. So in clubs, festivals, uh, private events, stuff like that. I've been a tour DJ for 21 years now, meaning that I DJ for an artist and we've done over 3,500 live shows in the last 21 years. So basically, as a tour DJ on stage, I'll provide the music. I also do backing vocals, so I'm rapping with the artists, platinum selling rap artists out of Amsterdam as well called Brainpower. And uh, in certain tracks, I'll do scratches. Most of the time before we start our performance, I might play a couple of tracks just to get the crowd hyped before we begin. I'm also a mixtape DJ. That reminds me, I have props. Now, I just, I just brought this along. This is my first mixtape series that I did, my first 10 mixtapes. But just to illustrate, this is a cassette. It's a little carrier that has a bunch of tape inside. And uh, this was used to, like I said, distribute music. You can record music on it and um, play it in a cassette recorder. Who still has a cassette recorder? Oh, there you go. One, two, three, four, five. Ah, that's more than I thought. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I like that. I, yeah. I still have like a full container of tapes. Uh, some are like tapes from artists I used to listen to, but a lot is just my own uh, stuff. And um, like I said, a mixtape DJ. I still do mixes, but of course, I'm not doing them on cassette anymore. Now the mixes will be done digitally and I'll post them uh, on SoundCloud, MixCloud, uh, whichever platform will allow my mixes to stay up. That's always an issue as well. Uh, besides a mixtape DJ, I've also been a radio DJ. I've done local radio. I did host the mix shows, but I'm mixing live on radio. I did that on local radio and on the Dutch uh, national channel, uh, 538 Radio, uh, 538 Juice. That was the name of it. Uh, so mixtape DJ, tour DJ club DJ, radio DJ, uh, and I spend most of my time now actually producing video content. So if you're not familiar with that, I have a channel on YouTube called DJ TLM TV, 
And that is all about educational videos for DJs, where I try to talk about anything from techniques to the business side of things, uh, ups and downs that DJs go through. Try to keep it real honest because a lot of DJs will show you uh, their uh, highlight reel on Instagram and everything looks great, but that's not the real life of a DJ. Uh, so I try to share all of that. So I started 25, 26 years ago, something like that. That was my start as a DJ at home. Um, anyone here just a DJ at home or are you all playing in uh, uh, clubs and places already? Bedroom DJs? Birthdays, there you go. Yep. Corporate parties, yep. So for me, it was exactly the same thing. I wanted to DJ, I knew this is something that I would like to do. Uh, I bought my first set of turntables and that was a belt drive set. So not something fancy like this here, which is a direct drive turntable, which gives you lots of power and speed, but a belt drive turntable that when you start it, you have to like wait before it begins. Uh, no pitch slider, but you have a little pitch wheel that you had to turn to change the pitch to make it go faster or slower. And if you wanted to see if you were playing at zero, you had to look at the lights and if the lights were aligned, then you knew you were playing at zero. So you had to do a little bit more work to make everything work. More props. Whoa. You know what this is, right? Have you seen this? Thank you. Thank you. I t I, how old are you? How old are you? 11. See, my oldest son is 11. I took this to his class. Half of the kids had no idea what this was. Keep that in mind. In a couple of years, we'll be saying the same thing about a CD, and they'll have no idea what a CD is either. What happened with all the stickers on there? Perhaps you have explained a little bit about them. All right, so this is basically for me a visual aid to tell me what a starting point of a certain track is. Uh, so in this case, I have no idea if everything is working already, so let's see if there's anything on phono. Which channel? One, it's on phono. No, I don't hear it yet. You know what, I'll, I'll let uh, you figure that out yeah. until we have sound. So uh, what I was talking about when I started is we all have to deal with DJs that will try to tell you that there is a certain way to DJ to call it real DJing, especially older DJs that will try to convince you that the only way you're allowed to call yourself a real DJ is if you play with this or at least started with this which in my opinion is complete nonsense. The reason I started with turntables is that was the only choice we had. So this was not like a personal choice, like, ooh, this is my device. Now I'll tell you, I did fall in love with it. It is my favorite device now, but at that time, that was your only option. You had turntables and um, it is working. There you go. And you had to go to record stores to buy vinyl if you wanted to play music at home. Uh, oh, wow, you have it in the screen as well. There you go. So we take this back to the beginning. Take it off 45. In this case, this sticker right here is pointing right at the needle at the part where this begins. And what that tells me is that if I bring it back to this point, I'm at that beginning again. So that was a, a visual aid when we were doing tricks so that you didn't have to use your headphones every time you wanted to go back to the beginning, you have your stickers. Now I'm not gonna do any uh, 
real turntablism right now, because I'm also a turntablist, what you might call a scratch DJ. Uh, but if I do that, I would not put the turntables like that. I would put them right next to the mixer. We're perfectly fine. I'm not doing a showcase anyway, so this is, this is good. So that's where it started for me, vinyl and turntables. Like I said, not something like this, some old turntables. It took me a year or two before I was able to upgrade to the classic Technics SL1200, uh, in this case, the Mark II turntables. And I stuck with that for a long, long time. Really enjoyed the feeling of it. But again, I didn't really have any other option. This is what we used. Now, like I said, I want to talk about the influence of technology on DJing, but not just playing as a DJ. So you probably all record your own mixes at home, or most of you will. You're probably all using your computer. I'll take it back to the tapes. Uh, when I started, this was my uh, only recording option. I had to record to tape. Uh, at that time when I started, I was just like recording live mixes at home. So I take one side of the tape, 30 minutes or 45 minutes, just do some freestyle mixing. When the tape was done, the side was done, I would stop, I would sit down and I would listen to what I just recorded and I would kind of critique myself. Uh, I never had a mentor, I had to teach myself how to DJ. Luckily, I drummed for about a year when I was 14. So that gave me a good sense of rhythm, which really helped me out when I started to DJ. So I was not familiar with the terms um, beats, bars, or anything like that. But because of drumming, I somehow naturally knew how to mix. I knew when it sounded right. I knew when to start mixes. But I had to practice. So I recorded. I would listen. And then I would record again. And I would do that for hours and hours and hours. Now, if we take a look at the next te technological step when it comes to going from this to other formats, of course, after that, you had stuff like CDs and that you were able to burn on CDs. But before I went there, I used a different medium called MD. Anyone familiar with the mini disc? Yeah, it, <laughs> it only existed for a while. It's basically a small CD in like a square container. Um, it was popular for like two minutes and then it died again. But because of the newer technology, in my case, an MD recorder, I could still record my mixes, but now I could record them in higher quality. And I had like a digital recording instead of my analog tape, which I had to produce and reproduce over and over to get my tapes out to the street. Oh, you're going to look for it now. Oh, there you go. That's it. Now it looks massively right there, but it's like this big. There you go, MD players, like portable players. Uh, but the cool thing is, I didn't have a normal MD recorder. I had a four track MD recorder, which means I could record on one track and then I could play that back and record something else on a second track and even use a third and a fourth. So in my case, I could record a mix. So let's say you mix one track into the next, and after that, I could layer some scratches over it as well. So for me, that technological development allowed me to be more creative. Look, when you're limited as far as your equipment, it does spark creativity. Because if I take it back to the tape deck, I used to do crazy stuff with my tape decks. I used to make like edits where you would record on tape. I would record a couple of bars of beat. Then I would hit pause. Then I would grab a next record, get it ready. And 
I would practice the timing to let that pause go again so it would start to record again, play a different beat, and if you do it just right, you could make your own pause button tape, which basically you can do in like 10 seconds on your computer now. And it took me like a couple of hours to get it right. But it did spark creativity, so that's what I like about limitations. But at a certain point, you can't go further than the equipment will let you. So that MD already let me do a lot more than my tape. Now, like I said, CDs, uh, I've never been uh, uh, the biggest fan of uh, CDJs or any CD player. And Jeroen has always, since the beginning, since the very first one, tried to convince me. And I'll admit straight away, they're great devices. But I was so in love with the feeling of the turntable, the moving platter, that I did not want to move away from that. But we did start to implement the use of a CD player. I did not use the CD because I preferred that way of DJing. That's it. Was this the one? That's yeah, the 500S. It, this one opened up, right? This opened up. Yeah, that shoots away your CDs. Yes, sir. That ha that, that has happened in the club. Uh, but like I said, we didn't use the CD because we preferred it over the turntable, but it allowed us to do something we couldn't do before. In our case, this was in the era when downloads were first starting to come into play, and we had like Napster and LimeWire, and I think there's a couple of others, the name, I forgot the names. I don't even know. Yeah, because I was probably there too. Probably all around the same time. Um, but we would find new music that was not available on vinyl yet. We would burn it to a CD, and we would play those quote-unquote exclusive tracks from the CD player. So again, taking advantage of new technology to basically enhance our DJ sets because we wanted to play that new music. And if you're only relying on vinyl, you have to wait until the record store gets the songs. And record stores did not get all music. I'll tell you one more thing, taking it way back to old school. Now, I'm not even going to, I don't have an example. You don't have to Google it. We used to have video cassettes. And I used to record a program on TV called Yo MTV Raps. And sometimes they would have songs that we did not, not have on vinyl yet. And on mixtape number two right there in that row, the B-side starts with a song that I played, that I recorded by playing it from my video recorder. Because I wanted that song on my mixtape, so I just played that video recorder, let that play the first song, and then from vinyl I would mix in the next track. So the CD definitely had some advantages over the vinyl at that point. So we definitely took advantage of that. Now, if we take a leap forward and we go to devices like this, in that case it was the CDJ 1000. And that is where we definitely did our first like um, um, partnership because at that time we were recording an album. This was a group effort, two DJs, two MCs, and we wanted to have some of our own vocals scratched into our song. So I wanted the option to scratch those songs. The CDJ 1000 was there. You do make sure we had one so we could use it in our studio sessions. And we would let the MC say some stuff on the microphone. We would burn that to a CD. And then I was able to use that in the studio sessions to actually scratch with their voices. So again, even though it wasn't my favorite device, it allowed me to do something I could not do with my current equipment. And that's the thing for me. I feel anytime there's new technological developments, you have to just see and think for yourself, is this something that could help me out? Is there something in here I can use? Because there's always new equipment and 
Half of the times, it's not interesting for me, but it might be interesting for you. And vice versa, of course. Sometimes stuff will come out that I'm in love with, and you might look at it and go, what am I going to do with that? So it is all about your personal preference. But I like to always take a look at whatever comes out. And up until this point, every new development allowed me to do something I wasn't able to do before. Now, then we get to something that's very dear to my heart. And that is not just DJ software, but using DJ software as a DVS. Uh, does everyone know what DVS is? One. Okay. DVS basically means digital vinyl system. It is a tool that allows you to play the music that you have on your computer. And you can control that music by using special vinyl or special CDs. So in my case, I use the special vinyl and that vinyl only has a control tone on it. And that tone goes into an audio interface and that audio interface goes to your computer and it tells the DJ software, okay, move the song back and forth when I'm moving it back and forth. The reason I love it so much is it allows me to play with my favorite device, this right here, the moving platter, but I don't have to bring all my vinyl. I can bring songs that are not available on vinyl and the DJ software also had the options that you have on a lot of these new devices. So things that are probably simple to all of you like loops, that's something I used to have to do manually when I had my vinyl. Are they both connected? Just to see, I mean I have, this is what I used to do. I had two copies of the same record. Uh, there you go. Now, mind you, the setup is not in my favor. Luckily, I have long arms. So I, I've, play, I've played in clubs where I did what I'm about to do, uh, where one turntable was there and the other one was here. And I was sliding back and forth like I was on roller skates trying to make that work. So normally, you would move your turntables right next to the mixer. Um, but what we used to do, if we wanted to loop something, we needed two copies of the same song. By the way, uh, you have controllers, you're familiar with a crossfader. Uh, realize that for a lot of DJs who started, like for me, my first mixer did not even have a crossfader. That was not really a thing yet. So I had a mixer that only had two channels, uh, no EQ, and just gain. That's what I learned to mix on. You had like one knob that was not EQ. It only did like high or low. So you could change your sound a little bit, but that was not really great. Um, and no crossfader. So even the development of like crossfaders that were actually in the middle of your mixer, not like old school dot tech mixers that were this big and they would have the crossfader on one side of the mixer, um, in the middle, and even later on, like special scratch mixers, like Pioneer has their S9 and before that their DJM 909 mixer, which were specially made for scratch DJs. But I digress, let me go back. I have the same record on both sides. If I wanna make a loop, I have to play one side.
So that's a lot of manual labor. You really have to physically do that. That was the only way we could do loops. Now, this is a lot of fun, so I love doing it. I still do it even when I'm playing in clubs. Uh, but there are points when you want to have a loop to do like a mix. So you have one song. It has that special part. You want to use that part to mix into the next song. You're going to need to put it on loop. In that case, I can't use this technique because I need to mix my next track. So devices like this had loop. I think the CDJ 500 already had loop, right? Yeah. Every CDJ had a loop. There you go. There you go. So even that had loop. So using something I love to use, I was falling behind when it came to certain situations. Same thing when I was playing at a festival and I was still using real vinyl and a lot of DJs were using CDJ and this was a big stage, but the, the whole stage was pretty hollow, not solid. So when you're playing with vinyl, you get all the rumble, the feedback. So I needed more volume. I had to turn it up. And everyone's looking at me like, what's this DJ doing? Because the next guy comes in is on CDJs, bang, loud volume. And it makes me look stupid when it's not really my fault. So the limitations were there, but I love that feeling. So when we got the DVS, so using your turntables with DJ software, I could now still use my favorite device, but now I also had all of the extras so I could loop, I could see everything on the screen, I could easily search for tracks, I did not have to bring all my crates of vinyl. For me, that was like the ultimate solution to all my um, problems. And it allowed me to be more creative. Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzoogle. Banzoogle makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. You can choose from hundreds of mobile-friendly themes and then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Banzoogle's easy visual editor. Now, all the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, and integration to pull in content from all your online services, including Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud. I use Banzoogle to create the Share the Knowledge podcast website, and that was very easy. Banzoogle plans start at just $8.29 a month and include your own free custom domain name. Now, if you want to try it out for free for 30 days, click on the link in the description box down below and be sure to use the promo code SHARE to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Now, to take it back to what we were, or like we looked at each other, like every once in a while, there's a development and a lot of, especially older DJs will say, this is complete nonsense. This is cheating. This is the death of DJing. I remember when that CDJ came out, a lot of vinyl DJs were like, you can't do that. That's like sacrilegious. This is real. That's a piece of plastic. All nonsense. But that's how people viewed it. Um, you have heard that many times. I was the guy pushing the CDJ to like every church. DJ. There you go. So you caught hell from a lot of DJs who I were like, know. what are you doing? I know, because, yo, you know, I know you as a vinyl DJ. What are you come to tell me? Now we're going to play with CD? What's up? Yep. And you know what? Nine years later, 99% of them are using... And CDJ 2000, and then again, <laughs> there's this little button. Sync. Now, if there's anyone in here who would like to have a discussion with me about sync... It's not going to happen. This is a discussion that's been going on for too long, where you have a lot of DJs that might look at you with a controller and be like, yeah, you're not a real DJ. Uh, you use sync. You let the computer do everything. I've heard that a million times as well using uh, my DJ software with turntables. They see a laptop and they're like, 
You're not DJing. The laptop's doing everything. Wow. Well, wow. my first reply was always like, okay, that's, the, that's cool. You feel that's doing everything. So is that laptop making the song selection? I don't think so. Is the laptop choosing when I do my transition from one song to the next? I don't think so. Is that laptop having the interaction with the crowd? That's gonna be you. It doesn't matter if you're using a CD or a controller or vinyl or DVS, that's you. That's what makes you unique as a DJ. That's what's gonna give you your own style, your song selection, the way you interact with the crowd, how you mix records. We can all in here, everyone in here can take the same 10 songs and we can all mix those same songs. The mixes are not gonna sound the same. You might use your EQ different than I do. You might start with a special loop at the beginning, do something different than I'll do it. So that was never an issue to me, and especially the sync, that's, uh, people still talk about this. I mean, sync has been around for a very long time now. So uh, every time we get one of those developments, you'll hear people say stuff like that. Um, you killed vinyl. Well, oh, yeah. I mean, vinyl's still around. You can still buy vinyl. I mean, as a club DJ, I don't think Using real vinyl is your best option because a lot of music is not available on vinyl, but vinyl is still here. Same discussion with needles. You have new technology now that will allow you to use your turntable, but you won't have to use your needle. You can put a little device in the middle on top of your vinyl, and that's gonna tell your laptop exactly how the vinyl is moving. So you can play DVS style, but you don't have to have a needle on your vinyl. You killed needles. I've heard this. Forgetting about all the vinyl lovers that we have out there who are actually collectors still buying vinyl who will always need needles. I use DVS, but I still have 15,000 pieces of vinyl. I need needles to play that vinyl, even if it's 20 years from now because I'm never getting rid of my collection. So I will always have needles. So in my opinion, technological developments are something that can be good to spark new creative uh, 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 things. A lot of people, unfortunately, don't take advantage of it and they're DJing very basic. That's why for a lot of people, they view new technology as something that's taken over and it's had a bad influence on DJing. I can't really agree, but it is a fact that a lot of people take this wonderful device right here with all of the options it has, they'll put in a flash drive and basically the only thing they'll do is go to their hot cues of their prepared songs and they might use a loop every now and then and that's it. Well, you can do so much more with it. Now, luckily we were talking about laid back Luke, for instance, you have DJs who actually use their equipment. And Chucky, when he starts, he'll let you know, like he knows how to work that equipment. And I've personally always tried to look for the challenges in new Equipment. Are you familiar with Red Bull Freestyle? It's a DJ competition. It's been around for, I don't know, five, six years, something like that. It's basically a DJ battle meets DJ competition. So it's not like a scratch battle, but every DJ gets 15 minutes. In that 15 minutes, they have to perform for a crowd. They have to let that crowd dance and they have to use at least three or five different genres of music and they can use all sorts of equipment. Now, that will push the boundary, and now you see DJs coming out, preparing their own edits, uh, using tone play. I don't know if you're familiar with that. They'll find one piece in a song, and they'll use that in different tones, using, like, for instance, on a controller, 
using uh, um, uh, tone play. Does what's what's it called? No, but like with Pioneer on the controller, you can also like uh, use diff using the different keys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, but that's the thing. You can be very creative with what's out there. That's what I love about it. That's why I'm a fan of the new technology because every time you see something new, you're like, hey, okay, that. No, no, but that's the thing. Not everyone uses it, but people just assume because they see my laptop or see your controller that you're probably using sync. But even if you were using it, there's nothing wrong with that. I would advise, uh, who plays with sync in here? Because my only advice to anyone playing with sync is make sure that you also know how to beat match by ear. Just in case you run into a situation where sync is not working, or if you're going to play a set of uh, old soul and funk. Yeah, but for instance, if you, use, if you play a set with soul and funk, that's not quantized music. Those are live musicians. So those drums are not 100% steady. Sometimes a little bit faster, sometimes a little bit slower. Sync is a bad idea. It's not going to work. No, so at least be able to know how to beat match by ear. So you can choose whatever you want to use. Yeah. Make sure you know how to mix because the technology will fail once. Yeah. It will fail. There's no question about it. Hundred percent. Make sure you do what you have said. Make sure you know. Look, if we're going through the whole, let's say the timeline I was just going through, I've had failures starting with this. Could be a scratch on the record. So your record messed up, but you didn't see it yet. You're playing in a full club and all of a sudden, <laughs> or there could be like a speck of dust on your needle, and all of a sudden your needle just goes all the way across that record. It, yeah, that can and will happen. If you're using some type of CD player, if you're still using it with CDs, I've seen plenty of DJs who have CDs, that CD might be damaged, that it's not working. I've been in clubs where you had CDJs and they were not treated well, and certain of the buttons were like sticky, or just didn't work at all. You were hitting start and it's like, mm, okay. You know, yeah, like really, like people have pour syrup on it and, but something can happen. You know, that's why I don't drink it anymore. I want to be safe in the booth, but these things can happen or a crossfader, um, it's just damaged. So even when you move it to the other side, you're still hearing that side. These things can happen with any type of equipment. Or you have sync and you hit sync and nothing happens. If you don't know how to match the beats by yourself, you could be in serious trouble. Uh, so that's basically, I, I always try to get this message across because I get a lot of questions about equipment and especially beginner DJs who get told by other DJs that you, know, you need to start using CDJs because what you're using is not good. Or you need to start on vinyl, otherwise you're not good. So just please, and I mean, probably most of you have been playing for a while and hopefully you don't pay any attention to what people are telling you. If you're happy with your current device, use that. If you feel you're getting the most out of yourself using that device, use that. But keep your eyes and ears open to see what is being developed. Because like you said, like the dynamic uh, analysis, I didn't even know about that yet, but it, it, so that really, it analyzes the whole song and it knows how the BPM Basically, fluctuates? Normal analysis is an 
equal distance between each of the bit markers. Yeah. With dynamic analysis, it's placing a marker, measure, placing a marker, measure. So every marker can be different uh, offset. And it does that for you automatically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I can show you after uh, yeah. the session. I have a track that's running from 130 to 160, so be aware it's hard for but in the tempo, record box is going to correct itself. See, now, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I have DJs who have spent hours, weeks, months using Ableton to take all of these old soul funk records and warp them to make them exactly fit the beat with right. That's a lot of work because they wanted to use those tracks and they didn't want to go to the trouble of actually staying on point with that mix. So they would do that. And now you have a development that will allow you to not have to do that if you want to use sync. And just to touch on one more thing, and if anyone has a question, let me know right after this. Like I said, I've also touched on a little bit about recording, but as a DJ nowadays, especially if you want to move beyond the bedroom, uh, it's also important that you're out there actively promoting yourself. If you want to do more gigs, technology has made that a lot easier as well. I used to spend four nights a week standing outside clubs with flyers, actual physical flyers, at the end of the night to make sure I gave everyone a flyer of one of the parties that I was organizing myself because I wanted to create my own gigs. I started to do parties, but you had to go out there to promote. Now I can go to Facebook and I can put in 50 euros and it'll go out to more people than I could ever reach in front of that club. But also recording your mixes now, you have it a lot easier than it was back then uh, uh, getting it out there, distributing it is a lot easier. Also for a lot of DJs, I don't know who is, who's producing as well in here. That has become a lot easier as well. I mean, you still need to have the musical talent, but the amount of equipment that you used to need at home. And I started like way back when I had like just uh, uh, a Commodore Amiga and like the little sampler thing that goes in the back and using a fast tracker software that you can only like loop stuff with. Now I can make 10 times better beats right here in my phone and take it home and then finish it in the computer. Um, and I can post that on SoundCloud. And for instance, now even with SoundCloud, if you use SoundCloud Premiere, that will distribute it for you to iTunes, Spotify, you name it. I just tested that uh, last week. And I uh, took four of the beats. I do a lot of beats that I uh, give away for free on SoundCloud, just for mixed practice and scratch practices. But with SoundCloud Premiere, you can now also distribute. And I did that with four of the beats, and they're now on uh, Deezer, Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, uh, you name it. And Premiere is like, I think it's like 10 euros a month. I mean, that is a difference because of the developments, the, the threshold, the drempel. It's gotten lower. It's easier for everyone to begin. You don't have to go out and spend a lot of money to buy vinyl to start DJing. I know DJs who people told me like, uh, I saw them this week, they weren't a DJ yet. I saw them in the club next week and they were a DJ because they had a flash drive full of music. I mean, we, didn't, we had to go through that process. So it's a lot easier now. So you have more DJs, but how many of those DJs are actually either talented or have the entrepreneurial skills to promote themselves? So Yes, there's a lot more. So that's why it's even more important as a DJ to be unique and to stand out. And we really have to see ourselves as a product and use more of a business mind to make sure that we get ourselves out there. So 
that's just a change of time. And I'm not saying that that's great, but fact is it's not going back to the way it was. So we have to live with that change and find our own path in that. That's, a, that's, that's every DJ can relate to that. Yeah, you can't go to a club and enjoy yourself if there's a bad DJ. If you're just standing there having fun talking to someone and you hear a bad mix, your ears are gonna be like. Yeah, but that's that's the burden we have as DJs. You can't really turn that off. Yeah, it's most definitely we all have that. <laughs> yeah, same thing. You can probably hear if there's like a DJ mixing within the first two or three beats, I can hear which song it is, and I'll say to someone, I was like, oh, that song. They're looking at me, what are you talking about? And then when the mix is done and that track comes in, they're looking at you, how did you know that? They're like, yeah, we can hear. What do you think about this? Well, that's, I think I'm cursed in the same way, because if you wanna be the most successful, you have to focus on that public and not on other DJs. But as we love our craft, we still value like the respect from other DJs and not just other DJs. I have respect for the art form. So I could not like perform below a certain level. I, it would not feel right to me. And to be honest, it's no fun to me. I mean, it's real easy to take a couple of tracks and just do play every song that's a hit. Just make the, the clean mixes and that's it. That's no fun to me. That's not why I became a DJ. So I always want to make sure that I'm playing in a way that still lights my passion. But of course, your number one job as a DJ is to rock that crowd. So it's actually a challenge to make sure that you can still rock that crowd. And at the same time, put something of yourself in there. And even if there's only, and most of the times it's going to be like only three people in the crowd that actually see like, did you see what he's doing? Because most people won't notice. Most people that go to clubs are not really checking what you're doing. So same thing for me when I'm busy, like you see one or two of these people from the side, like the rest of the crowd, but they're looking at you like, that's dope. That's it. But I'm not just doing it for him. I'm doing it because that's, that's what makes it fun for me. Otherwise I wouldn't do it anymore. So I feel you. So that's what it's all about for me. And I get this question like more often and I can understand why people struggle with it. Like if you play, you want to play stuff you like, but you want to make sure that the crowd is having a good time. You have to find that balance. I could never, I've told people many times, and for every DJ, this is going to be different. I cannot play songs. Thank you, Bella. I cannot play songs I don't like. I can't. I respect DJs who can. Like you have mobile DJs, wedding DJs that will play in front of crowds and they will have to play every type of music. They'll have to play Van Halen to Franz Bauer to Drake and you name it. So a lot of respect, that's, that's a hard job playing all of that. For me personally, I can't do it, but I have to realize that with the choices I make, I'm gonna either limit the amount of gigs I can do or expand it. In my case, it limits the amounts of gigs I can do. I don't play every type of music, uh, certain songs I will never play. I know if I play everything, I can get more gigs, but that's not why I did this. That's not why I'm still doing it after 25 plus years. If you kill the thing that gives you that fire, then, then it's over. And I've done certain gigs, uh, corporate gigs, where 
I was just sitting there after the gig like, this was horrible. And I decided then and there, okay, I'm not doing these types of gigs again. I got paid probably five times as much as I got paid in clubs. So money-wise, it was great. But the feeling it gave me, that was the first time I didn't like DJing. I was like, okay, I got to stay away from this. Even though it pays five times as much, if I do five of these gigs, I don't love DJing anymore. I'm not going to let that happen. No way. <laughs> to be honest, like in this day and age, I don't DJ in clubs as much, partially because I'm really focusing on all the video work I'm doing, but also because there's not a lot of gigs that appeal to me. Like a lot of the most popular music now, especially here, is not music I really enjoy. So I won't enjoy playing it. So again, I know I'm limiting myself by not doing it, but I have to follow this right here. So I'm not playing as many gigs as I used to play just because of that. But even if I don't play in a club ever again, I'll have this and this and that at home and I'll still enjoy myself at home and I'll make my money some other way. But I will never, never, never allow anything to kill the love that I have for this. You will come across, there are cases where you cannot say no and I hate it. Well, in that case, like you had to go through a lot of music and I've done the same thing. Like I said, my oldest son is the same age as you are. For the last five years, I always come to the school to DJ on the last day of school. They have like a little barbecue. And before I was there, they would like have a CD playing 10 times in a row, same CD. So you hear the same songs 10 times. So first year I was there, I was like, hey, I can take care of the music. That's okay. But I knew this, these are kids from age four to 12. That's not my normal demographic. And I spent a lot of time downloading all the Kids Top 20 and all sorts of songs, only to find out that they requested at least like 50% of the songs they requested were not songs that I had there. So now we have technological developments coming in once again. And for the last three years, I've been playing there with a controller. I use software called uh, DJ by algorithm. Why? Because they have Spotify integration. So I'm not even spending one minute to prepare songs. I'll let them come up and they can request anything. Spotify will have it 99% out of the times and load it in and play it. But at that gig, I don't feel it is a bad gig because I can flip that switch and know this is for these kids. I see the fun they're having. They give you great feedback and I let them tell me, what do you want to hear? Okay. And then I'll DJ it in my way. They'll request songs I've never heard before and I'll scratch those songs in and then play it. So I'm still having my fun. But again, if it wasn't for those type of developments, you would have to spend way more time to then do something and it's still not working. Same thing with vinyl. I spent plenty of gigs where I came in with three crates of vinyl. They told me it was going to be a hip hop gig. I came in go through my collection, take out all of these hip hop tracks, three crates full of vinyl, and then the entire crowd was basically not hip hop. We don't have that problem now anymore. Oh, it's a different crowd? Okay, I'll go into a different folder. Stuff like that alone is enough for me to say I love the developments, and I don't want to break my back anymore with crates anyway. You spin like 30 seconds? No, I mean, nowadays you see that DJ spinning tracks for like 20 seconds, which is absolutely ridiculous. You'll hear the intro and then they'll go to the next song. 
But uh, I mean, if you do it as like a, an intro, but I've seen DJs do that like 10 tracks in a row. Like, oh, is that song? Oh, it's gone again. You're like, wait, where's the song? Like so fast. No, but because I was playing hip hop and R&B, that's basically, especially during the hype part, you play one verse, one chorus, next song. So yes, the song will play for maybe a minute and a half. So we needed a lot of vinyl. And now I'll have all of it in, uh, in the laptop. So yeah, that's, that, so that's basically it. That's what I wanted to share with you. Uh, my personal experience with just how technology has influenced DJing. And I feel you can still be a great DJ. Uh, and I think it's only better because every one of you has the choice to use whatever they want to use. And if you feel vinyl and turntables are the way to go, they're still available. So you can play that way or you can play this way. And even if someone wants to use just a laptop, I mean, I, the only way I look like this is, to me, that would be no fun. But if someone wants to use just a laptop and they can rock a crowd, more power to them. It will never be my choice, but yeah. DJ controller shaming has it got to an end. When do you think that will Well, that's, that's why I addressed it in the beginning, because I saw everyone was using controllers. That's why I mentioned it a couple of times. I'm like, don't let people tell you anything about it, because it is a fact. You have uh, in certain clubs... I don't know in the Netherlands, but I know in the U.S. You actually have like certain clubs and certain events where, no, where, where they're like no controllers. I've seen events where there was like a, 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 not an open mic, but an open DJ event. You could come and play on the flyer, no controllers. So there's a definite bias against controllers still, which to me is absolutely ridiculous. That's what I love about Red Bull Freestyle, which I mentioned, because... They allow anything. Like last year, Kipski from the Netherlands, from Utrecht actually, he took part in that as well, uh, two years ago. And he came in and he had one turntable and he had a synth and a little patch bay and using something totally different, like one turntable. Yeah. In old battles, that would be like, no, 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 you can't do that. Same thing that you can now, uh, with, at the new DMC, you can use the Rain 12 controller. They allow, but at certain events and at certain clubs, they'll say like, I think there's one big club in the UK as well. The Digital DJ Tips did an item about that a year or two ago. Uh, they would not allow controllers uh, as well. That's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous to me. I've seen a guy do like a real scratch set with two tape decks. He had them open and he was moving like the wheels back and forth and it sounded great. So I'm like, whatever you want to use. Yeah. And on top of that, we've all seen probably plenty of DJs using the most amazing high-tech equipment, and they sucked. <laughs> so, you know, that's all I can add to that. We've all seen that. So it's not about the equipment. I've seen DJs who could not mix. I know one guy, he's not a real DJ, but he, back in the days in Paradiso, uh, in Amsterdam, he sometimes used to DJ. He was the host of a radio show. And he couldn't mix, so he didn't mix. He just dropped it. Every song killed that party because he played the right tracks. So every new song was like, bang, whoa. Okay, no mix. He just waited for a while. And of course, at the right point. So after a hook, next, whoa, killed it. Not a single mix in his entire set. So he could have done that with a tape deck, with a turntable, with a CD player. It wouldn't have mattered. The technique would have been the same, play, go. But that was way better than what I see some guys do on this.
or like we just discussed before I started, uh, people who are just playbacking their set. You know what it is? Um, I totally agree that I would never do it. But then again, if you compare it to artists who come to perform, but they're playbacking their show, to me, that's the same thing. Like if I pay money for an artist, I want to hear them sing or rap and not the album. I can listen to the album at home. Thank you very much, Steven. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming.